Ooh, look at that. All right. It's working. Cool. Okay, <laughs> Psalm 116. Let's read the whole chapter and then we'll look at verse 15. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of shoal laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called upon the name of Yahweh. Oh, Yahweh, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is Yahweh and righteous. Our God is merciful. Yahweh preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for Yahweh has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, All mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of Yahweh. I will pay my vows to Yahweh in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of Yahweh is the death of his saints. O Yahweh, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of Yahweh. I will pay my vows to Yahweh in the presence of his people, in the courts of the house of Yahweh, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise Yahweh, or hallelujah. Let's pray. God, I want to come before you tonight and ask that you would give extra grace and comfort to all of the students in Uganda. Um, with the passing of Jose, we pray that you give them comfort and that you build them stronger with this crisis for them. Help Jesse as a leader as he's there. Lord, I pray for Jose's family members who are not saved, that through his death you would glorify yourself and that they would find you. And they, they would find you as a refuge in this time of conflict. And I also want to pray for my sister's group in Uganda. God, um, protect their health. One of their members has tuberculosis. And I, I pray, Father, that that would not spread to the rest of the group. And that you would preserve them and strengthen them for your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I showed, I asked Mike if we could show that video of Jose Estrada. His nickname's Dutchy or Dutch or Bill. That's the, new, that's the one he acquired here. Um, I asked Mike if he could show that because I, I feel like the, 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 we need to know. First of all, we're, we're supporting them. Uh, I was one of their teachers. They were an integral part of us for three months. And, um, and then secondly, because I... When I heard about it, I thought, all right, I think I should do a special message about missions and death. And so I dedicate this message to Jose, Dutch Estrada, Bill, <laughs> um, that we can look at the fact that to God, death 
is not a precarious thing. It's not something that's the end of the world for his people or for him. It's a precious thing. That's what Psalm 116.15 says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And um, how many of you guys don't know youth call at all? You. Okay. So we had 16 students here and we trained them for the mission field. And they were here all summer and they've been in Uganda for like three months. And one of them died while they were out there. So that's what we're talking about. You're up to date. Okay. So this is how it happened. On Monday, January 3rd, 2012, youth caller, youth call leader Jesse Woodall posted on Facebook. I, Brittany called me in the morning and pointed this out to me. She was in tears. And she, this is what the Facebook post said. Jesse wrote, One of the guys on my team, Jose Estrada, passed away yesterday. It happened very fast. More details to come in my update letter, but please pray for his family in Las Vegas and for our team here in Uganda. Things have been very, very hard. But we trust in God, and Jose is now with him. That's shocking news, because when I was teaching these 16 students all summer, and we got to know each other, we were around a lot um, and worked next to each other, hung out late at night in the, in the man cave, um, some of us did, and we got to know each other. And you look at those 16 students when you teach, and you begin to love each one of them for different things. You know, some of them are not academic, some of them are. Some of them are just truly love Jesus, and they can't do their homework. But all they know is they love Jesus. You know, they can't even quote a Bible verse, but they just love Jesus. And you just get to know all of them and working with them in that environment. And, and as they all left, said goodbye to every 16 of them, never would I have thought that I was saying goodbye for the last time. Because they're supposed to come back in April. And instead of 16 coming back, there's going to be 15 coming back. And that's just going to be so weird. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that that would be the case. That one of them would die serving God on the mission field. However, I can't think of a better way to go. I, I would rather wear myself out on the mission field and die there than to rust myself out in front of the television. Well, I got my fire insurance. I said the prayer. I'm going to heaven. Guys, I'm so excited to teach the series history because we're going to see that there's a place for us in God's story and we're on mission it's not just about saying a prayer and then just living life. It's about living life as a servant on mission for Jesus Christ. And Jose did that. And he died doing that. And that's how I want to die. You know, I, I think it would be awesome if I died right here preaching a sermon or something in 50 years from now. But doing something like that. <laughs> not right now. Um, but man, Jose loved Jesus. It was evident. He was one that stuck out to me, especially um, I knew their testimonies and where they had come from. And Jose came, he definitely had a turnaround in his conversion. And it was a unique one because he, you know, he kept resisting the gospel, resisting, resisting. And finally, it was actually someone sharing with him about end times prophecy and all the stuff in Revelation. It scared him to death. And he decided to come to the Lord and he got saved. And... Um, when you, when you got to know Jose, you knew he loved Jesus. He had this smile that forced you to smile, like at gunpoint. You couldn't, you couldn't see his smile and still be sad. 
And he was actually funny. He was kind of a quiet guy, but, oh, he was hilarious. I find things that he posted on Facebook. I looked at the time. Oh, yeah, that was right when I was teaching Romans. And he was, like, doing all this, like, jokester stuff with, like, the students. And he always made me laugh. He was so... But what I loved about him most was that it was evident he loved Jesus. I can remember one night, late at night, I was leaving here, and um, everyone was down, like, laughing, hanging out. And I saw him walking alone with his Bible, just in the dark. Just, and you, you knew he was praying. He was just seeking the Lord about something that was troubling him. And that was Jose. He always found that silent time to, to be Jesus. I saw him do that a couple times, and that really stuck out to me. That that was the kind of guy he was. And so when we hear that Jose has passed away, there's, there's no worry. We know exactly where he's gone. He, he's definitely... The one in verse 15, where it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God saw Jose's passing with a huge smile and embraced him and brought him home. And I, I wonder what it was like for him as he was... Um, he was I, I hear he was vomiting a lot at the end. He couldn't keep anything down. And, you know, all that pain you go through and just like... Like right now, like when I think about death, it's just like that uncertainty of like, I've never been there. What is it like? And there's, there's some like element of fear because it's the unknown. But the Bible always speaks encouragingly about death. And we have to take that in faith and realize it's going to be okay when we're there. And so indeed, it's precious in the sight of the Lord. Um, I'm glad that we got to see the video because there's a couple things in that Jose said that really stuck out to me. I'm going to read a couple of them. I wrote them down. He said in that video, my biggest strength is going and knowing that I'm called. And I thought that's huge. Okay, Jose's in Uganda and he knows that God called him there. And so when you come there and you face sickness and you face death, you don't have to worry about, is this outside of God's will? Jose was where God wanted him to be, and he died when God wanted him to die. So he knew he was called, and that was huge. That's hugely comforting for us to think, all right, everything's going according to God's plan. And then he also said, I guess uh, my biggest, I guess you can call fear, is the unknown. Death is very unknown. And what I don't expect. And he definitely didn't expect not to come home alive. Um, that was that was like, oh, that, that was his biggest fear. And then he said this, I can't wait to come back and share with everybody. And when I heard him say that, I just like, the first time I heard that, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, he didn't get to come home and share. All those experiences, man, they're just, they're just left there. But then I started to think about it. And oh, he's, he's coming back to share. Not in the form we thought he'd come back in, all right, he's coming back as a corpse, excuse the crude, but <laughs> that's how he's coming back. But he's coming back sharing the fact that precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Because when people who live for God, live on mission, serving God, die, their death says something. So Jose shared with us much like what John Newton shared when he died. I'm going to give you guys a couple of last phrases, or almost last phrases, of some famous Christians. And um, so, like, like John Newton, Jose sharing, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner, 
And Christ is a great Savior. That's John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. Uh, George Whitefield. I had rather... Oh, this is... George Whitefield, by the way, was um, last 10 years of his life starting to cough up blood a lot because he was an outdoor preacher and he just, just destroyed the insides of his throat, I guess. And he was um, really getting weak towards the end of life, coughing up a lot of blood. And he was told, dude, you, maybe you should slow down and recover. And um, maybe you should slow down. And he, he replied this... <laughs> I had rather wear out than rust out for the Lord. Uh, that was Jose. He can come back, and at his funeral, that's what we're all going to hear him saying to us. I was worn out for the Lord. I didn't rust out just making some petty cash or watching TV or into the newest movies. <laughs> I mean, all this is great, but that was not all he was about. He, he wore himself out for God. Jim Elliott said... When it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. I like that. No, I'm going to die? Let me reconcile myself with my family. Let me call my brother who I haven't talked to for five years. Let me say the sinner's prayer real quick. Let me get my life in order. No, live like it's time to die. So that when death comes, all you have to do is die. And that was Jose. Jose didn't have to call a priest over on his deathbed. He didn't have to reconcile with anybody. He was living as a servant on mission for God. And when it came time to die, that was the only last thing he had to do for God. It was, all right, here it is. Time to die. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, my hero. I only wish I got to see him in person. He said two days before he died to his secretary, my work is done. And that's what Jose can say. That's what he can share with us. My work is done. I lived every day that God gave me as a Christian for him. Uh, the Apostle Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4.7. And that too, Jose can share with us. He ran the course all the way to the finish line and didn't turn back. So, yes, Jose, he did indeed get to come back and share. And I think that's what he would share with us is Live on mission as a servant for God. So that like Jim Elliott said, when a death comes, all there is left to do is die. Or like George Whitefield said, so that you're not rusting your life away, you're wearing your life away. Or like Charles Spurgeon said, I have finished my work. That is what I think Jose is sharing with us, with the life that he lived. So, death... The scary unknown, and actually we had the, that conversation about um, soul sleep and stuff. I'm going to address a little bit about what the Bible says about death, and then we'll move on to why is death precious. That seems kind of morbid. God's like, Jose died, oh how cute. No. Death is nothing more than separation. That's how the Bible describes it. We think of death as annihilation. All right, um, I take dynamite and blow up this candle. It's annihilated. It died. But to the Bible, death is a separation. You have a body. You have a soul. And when you physically die, your soul is separating from the body. So the body is here on earth, and the soul goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. We would call this presence, where is it? What is it? I would call it the intermediate heaven. Because where Jose is right now is not the heaven that we are all going to spend eternity in. 
Heaven's going to be on earth. It's going to come here, a new, resurrected, restored earth. So wherever you go when you die with the Lord, that is a temporary place, and God's going to bring all his people to this earth at the end of time. So it's an intermediate. That means a temporary heaven. And the Bible discourages the thought of soul sleep. Um, soul sleep's the idea that what basically happens is you're unconscious after death until the end time when God raises everybody up. Then you come back to like life. Now, you're still conscious the whole time. Here's a couple of verses. Luke 23, verse 42. This is when Jesus is on the cross. And one of the thieves turned to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's not like some sort of abyss that you're just going to be floating around in. You'll be with Jesus. And Jesus said, today, the day that you're going to die, you'll be with me. Philippians 1.23, Paul said, I am hard-pressed between living and dying. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. He didn't say depart into a soul-sleep pattern of non-consciousness. I'm going to depart and be with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Some translations phrase that, Absence from the body is present with the Lord. So there's a presence with God when we die. You're somewhere, and there's two other passages in the Bible that show that there's a consciousness about it. Here's the negative example. Luke 16. Jesus tells a story about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man oppresses the poor man. Both of them die. The rich man who oppressed the poor man goes to Hades... That's a bad place where bad people go and they die. It's not hell yet, okay? Hell is like, like the eternal heaven that's yet to come. There's temporary places right now. So he's in Hades, and there Luke points out this. Uh, Jesus says, The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades he was in torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham. You can't see something if you're unconscious. <laughs> And he called out, Father Abraham, he called out, there's some consciousness, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. That's full consciousness. I have feeling. I am in anguish in this flame. Then the positive examples in Revelation 6, where you see the souls who have been beheaded for Jesus, martyrs, those who have died on mission for him. They're up in heaven, and they are there asking God, how long until you bring justice upon our persecutors? There's some consciousness. They know where they are, they know what time it is, and they know that there needs to be justice. So, death is that separation, my soul from my body, and the soul for the Christian goes to the presence of God, where we get to experience full satisfaction, contentment, peace, joy, because there's no more of this um, distance and separation from God, where it's like, you want to seek God, you have to seek. You have to, you have to pray hard. You have to read the Bible. You have to, it's hard to seek God here on earth, but it's going to be amazingly easy, because <laughs> you're going to see Him face to face. So that's where you go. But think about this, too. Um, soul sleep. Sleeping requires a body. <laughs> But if at death the soul is separated from the body, how can the soul sleep? 
So, when the Bible says that people fall asleep, you know that phrase when they die? It says like Stephen fell asleep. Um, what it's referring to, this is what Randy Alcorn says in his book Heaven. He says, the physical part of us sleeps. The body. It's just laying there. Which the spiritual part of us relocates to a conscious existence in heaven. The intermediate temporal heaven. So that's why the Bible says he fell asleep. They're talking about the body is in a state of sleep. It's just laying there. But the soul is consciously aware of where it is and what it's experiencing in the intermediate realms. Okay? Alright, cool. Now, death is precious in the sight of God. Not for everybody, but for the saint, it says in verse 15. When his saints pass away, it's precious in the sight of God. Precious means that it is of great value and that it has meaning to God. So, if your death is precious in his sight, it means that he's not going to squander your life. He's not just going to say, Oops, wasn't watching. You got ran over by a truck. Ah, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. He values your life and he's going to hold it until he says your time's over. So, death is precious, not precarious, which means just so happened, it's not strong, it's, it's able to fall and collapse. Mm -mm, that's not your life. He's not held in his precarious hands. He's sees it as precious, and he holds death as precious. So, um, what this implies for us is that your time of death is an appointment. God has made that time. And you're simply passing to the point where you get to meet with God. That's the way he sees it. It's precious. You get to come to my party now. Your invitation set for a day, and you get to just pass on in. That's precious to God, who gets to finally possess you, all of you. And you're not going to go run over and sin, <laughs> like we often do here. So, um, death is called precious. I'm going to give us seven reasons why death is precious to God. Alright? The first is this. Precious in the sight of God are the death of his believers because precious in the sight of God is the death of his son. The only way that the Bible can say my death is precious to God is because Jesus died for me and God looked at his death as precious. If there was no Jesus' death to take my sin away, death would not be precious. It would be perilous. It would be something to freak out about, to run the other way from. But because Jesus died, in his death, he killed death. His death was the death of death, as some people say. And therefore, death is no longer an enemy. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says this, Jesus became a man so that through his death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And to deliver all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. In short, Satan's holding everybody in the slavery of being afraid of dying. But Jesus died to make death die. And he's liberated us from the fear of death. So it can be called precious because Jesus died so that we don't experience any kind of death. Moving right on into the presence of the Lord. Second reason death is precious. Because the resurrection of Jesus 
death has been conquered. Jesus says in Revelation that he holds the keys of Hades and death. Nobody is going to be stuck in there that he says won't be stuck in there. He's got the keys to that place. And he can deliver anybody. So what this means is that death is no longer an enemy to us. It once was, but it's not anymore. Paul says that death is swallowed up in victory. And he asks, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. The victory is his resurrection. Jesus won over death. It can't hold him. It's no longer an enemy. He's conquered it. So he's given us freedom from it. So it's no longer an enemy. And secondly, death is no longer, or it's no longer an enemy, but it's now a servant. Okay? So from going against us, death is now working for us. John Newton said this about death. What is death to a believer in Jesus? It is simply a ceasing to breathe. If we personify it, we may welcome it as a messenger sent to tell us that the days of our mourning are ended and to open to us the gate of everlasting life. The messenger of death, sickness, pain, conflict, and are frequently formidable to the flesh, but death itself is nothing else but a deliverance from all of those hardships. Death is a messenger. It's a servant coming to deliver you. That was John Newton's view of it. So death, yes, is precious. Third reason death is precious in the sight of God is because God allows our death for a purpose. It's not just happenstance, accidental. It's very intentional. Do you guys know Jim Elliott? I think the recent movies they did of him have kind of helped your generation know who he is. Um, he and four other missionaries went to the Alcas, the vicious tribal group of Indians, and when they reached them, they murdered them. They became martyrs for Christ. All five of them died. And his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, wrote a book called Through the Gates of Splendor about their time there and their experiences and the whole story leading up to it. And this is what she says about her husband's death. To the world at large, this was a sad waste of five young lives. But God has his plan and purpose in all things. There were those, for example, there were those whose lives were changed by what happened at that place where they died. For example, in Brazil, a group of Indians at a mission station deep in the, the Mato Grosso Upon hearing the news, dropped to their knees and cried out to God to forgive them for their own lack of concern for fellow Indians who did not know Jesus Christ. In Rome, an American official wrote to one of the widows, I knew your husband. He was to me the idea of what a Christian should be. An Air Force major stationed in England with many hours of jet flying immediately began making plans to join the Missionary Aviation Fellowship. A missionary in Africa wrote, Our work will never be the same. We knew two of the men. Their lives have left their mark on ours. And in Iowa, an 18-year-old boy prayed for a week in his room, then announced to his parents, I'm turning my life over completely to the Lord. I want to take the place of one of those five missionaries. So later, Elizabeth Elliot goes to those very people that killed her husband, and they end up getting saved. God used their death for a purpose. Not only did it inspire hundreds across the world 
thousands perhaps, but it also saved the Alcan Indians. So it's precious because God uses death for a purpose. Fourth reason, death is precious to God because God comforts his servants at the time of their departure. He comforts them at the time of their departure. I don't know this from experience, <laughs> but I've read some biographies of great Christian men and not one of them were um, horrified and speaking of terrible things at their deathbed. It was all comfort. And even in horrendous death situations, for example, David Brainerd, the missionary to the American Indians in the 1700s, he died of tuberculosis. Yeah, I think it was him died of tuberculosis. And Jonathan Edwards... Another great preacher, he was at his deathbed with him the whole time while he was dying. And this is how he described his condition. He said, his disease now very apparently is feasting on his internal organs in an extraordinary manner. Not by a sudden breaking of ulcers on his lungs like what once happened to him in Boston, but by a constant discharge of purulent matter, that's pus, in great quantities, so that what he brought up by coughing and throwing up seemed to be, as it were, mouthfuls of almost clear pus, which was attended with very great inward pain and distress. All right, that deathbed does not sound fun at all. Like, okay, so maybe we're taking the scariness out of death away tonight, but there's still a process of getting to that death point, and that doesn't sound fun. But David Brainerd never once seemed to be in the state of complaining. He was always rejoicing. God comforted him there in his state. And so much so that this is what Brainerd exclaimed at one point when visitors came in to see him. He said this, I have had more pleasure this morning than all the drunkards in the world enjoy. Like who expects to hear that from a man puking pus all like night? But that was God comforting him. And then a little over a week before his death, this was some of his final um, verbal words. He had to write the rest. Some of his final verbal words in his diary uh, were, or I don't know, maybe he said them. It was this. This was a very comfortable day to my soul. You're puking mouthful of pus and you're in great anguish and this was a very comfortable day for your soul? He says, I think I awoke with God. I was enabled to lift up my soul to God early this morning. And while I had little bodily strength, I found freedom to lift up my heart to God for myself and others. And afterwards, I was pleased with thoughts of speedily entering into the unseen world. You hear that? He was comforted. Christ is there comforting him. And he even said so much, I'm looking forward to death. That's what happens. It, we can call it precious because God comes at those times and gives us comfort. And I have to think that Jose was in a pretty good place. Yeah, sure, physically he was just doing horrible. But I, I doubt that he was panicking as death was setting in. The fifth reason death is precious. Because God holds our death in his sovereignty. Alright, in Job chapter 1, it's actually what Mike's teaching right now. Um, Satan comes up to God, you know, there's a whole thing about, let's test Job, see where he's at. And um, God basically says, okay, Satan, do whatever you want to Job's stuff, but don't touch his life. Don't kill him, because that's in my power. So, all these things can happen to us, but death is not an option unless God gives a nod. God holds our life in his sovereignty. Psalms 31 says that my times are in your hands. 
So death can be precious because when it comes, you know that it was God who brought it. And if God brings it, you know it's good. So that is precious. Sixth reason. Death is precious because the limited love of God we can experience on earth will be perfected. No more of this, I can't see him. You will see him. No more of this, I'm trying to pray and then your phone is ringing. There's not going to be any of those distractions. You're going to be with him. No more of this, I don't feel like God loves me this week. You guys have been there, right? (laughs) No more of that. You're going to be with him. All the bliss you've ever experienced in your Christian life will be at maximum forever. That's precious. And then the seventh reason. Death is precious because we have eternal life now. That I learned in the book of 1 John. Remember that? 1 John 5.12 says that whoever has the Son has life. Not will have life. You have it now. So when you die, there's not like this little period of do I exist? Do I not? What happens? Scary. Do I have to battle demons to get to heaven? It's smooth. There's, no, there's not even a glitch in the system because you have eternal life now so that when you come out of your body, you're in eternal life. It works very nicely. Jesus also says that in John chapter 11 when he was at the tomb of Lazarus. All right, so we got that death is precious in the sight of God. But how do we get to the point where we start to look at death as precious? It is hard to think about my sister being in Uganda as well with one of their teammates having tuberculosis for the last month and they just found out. I pray she doesn't get tuberculosis. She's already had malaria. Jose died from it. She didn't, fortunately. I, I, like, I'm, I just think, like, what if, what if this is my sister, not Jose? Like, how do, how do I get to the point where I can see death as precious? How do I get to it where I can look at my life and say, I'm going to go on mission for God because I don't care. Death is precious. How do we get to that point? Because we, we're like evolutionists. We're all like survival of the fittest. That's what we think about all the time. Survival, survival. If God sees our death as precious, can you imagine how he sees your life? Jesus talked about in Matthew 10 that there's not a single sparrow that falls to the ground without his knowing it. He says, how much more do I care for you than birds? Your life is of utmost value to him. And so he's not just going to bring death to you as an enemy. He's not just going to slap you when you're not ready to die. He's going to bring it. And it's going to become precious to us. Because we're going to realize that when it comes, my mission is complete. Because I cannot die until God looks down and says, my servant did his job. He's not going to cut you off halfway through what he called you to do. So Jose's there, and we can look at Jose and say, God never intended him to go six months in Uganda. Three months was his job. It's done. And he's hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Mission accomplished. So I can look at death as precious and realize no more labor. I have accomplished my mission. God has been gracious. 
So the way that I can start to look at death as precious is two ways. First, become a saint by treasuring Jesus as precious. That's what 15 says. It's, the death is precious for his saints. If you don't know what saint means, that means a Christian. A saint is a set-apart one. That's what a Christian is. He's set apart from the world to be God's. Okay, I don't mean just one who believes in Jesus. He's set apart for Jesus. He's on a mission for Jesus. Death is precious for those people. So if you're not the saint, if you're the ain't, death is not precious. It's precarious. It's perilous. And it is something you should flee from and not embrace. So become a saint. That's one way to embrace death. Second way, become a servant by living your life on mission for God as a servant. Become that servant. Verse 16 says this. Oh Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant. Why does the psalmist say this right here? We read the whole chapter. Um, and if you noticed, in verses 3, 4, 8, and 9, he had a near-death experience. Verse 3. The snares of death encompassed me. I practically died, he's saying. Verse 8. You have delivered my soul from death. And then verse 9, I walked before the Lord in the land of the living. He's grateful to be alive, okay? He had some sort of near-death experience where he didn't think he was going to make it. And now he's made it. And the rest of the psalm, he's praising God for protecting him. And he comes to the conclusion, verse 15, that God, you spared me. Death must be precious to you. It's not some precarious thing. You're measuring our days. And when someone does pass, to you it's a precious thing. And realizing that, he then says in verse 16, Oh God, let me be your servant so that death would be precious for me. I take it, in other words, to mean that he's defining the word saint in verse 15 as the word servant in verse 16. So who is death precious for? God's saints. Who are God's saints? They're the ones who stand up and say, I want to be your servant, God. I want to be your servant. They are the Hoseas who stand up and say, I want to be living my life on mission as a servant for Christ. And then you can begin to look at death as precious and not have to doubt the unknown. Verse 16 also says the very last line, you have loosed my bonds. What kind of bonds are those? I, I suggest that the psalmist was once bound by the fear of a precarious death. My life means nothing. Oops, I died. I have to walk on eggshells. I think he was loose from that because he realized, no, my death is precious to God and I can see it as precious too and I can live free, not worried. I can live as a servant, not panicked about what's around the corner. But know that everything that God brings to me is going to be precious, even death. So Christians, I think what Jose would share is that death is precious for those who want to be God's servants. That stand up and say, my life's on mission for you. If I'm a student, that's my mission. I am going to be the best student and bring Christ into every day at school. You don't have to be a freak and stand up and preach in the cafeteria. Just bring Christ in everything you do. If you're a homeschooler, you're going to be the best Christian daughter and son that you can be at home. And when you go to extended relatives and you go see your other friends, you're bringing Christ everywhere. You're living on mission. We don't just go hang out with people. We hang out with souls. The ain'ts and the saints. We're on mission for God. 
We don't, some of us don't just play guitar. We're on mission with those musical gifts. Some of us don't just work at Snow Valley. <laughs> we're on mission when we're at Snow Valley. Beginning to look at life as I am a servant. I want to see death as precious. I want to be able, like Jim Elliott said, that when death comes, the only thing I have to do is die. Not, oh crap, I didn't do enough yet. I, I feel like I squandered my life. I want to wear myself out, not rest myself out. And that's Jose Estrada. That is Dutchy. That is Bill. His mission is complete. Not failed, complete. And that's a great feeling. I want my life lived for mission so that when I die, I can look at my life and say, mission accomplished. I'm ready to go. This is precious. So Father, I, I pray for these students. I pray for myself. I pray for the Uganda missionaries out there too. You see our death as precious. Help us to see our death as precious. That we be not limited in our service of you because we're afraid of what might happen to us. But may we be unbound and free to be bold and daring for you because we too see death as precious. So comfort us, Father, and give us faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for a little bit of a longer message than normal. You guys are good. <laughs> but um, have a good week. And please, if you're interested in that stuff, don't forget to sign up. And don't forget.